This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well well with my soul. soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sighed, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. that song. Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and uh, we'll actually get to that scripture in in just a few moments. And we're going to deviate from the normal style of of message that I, I preach on Sunday morning, and we're going to spend our time talking about some issues that our country is currently facing. Now, uh, don't worry, we're not going to become a current events church. Uh, 
Uh, we're not going to become like those late night talk show hosts that bring up the current events and, and uh, you know, spend their hour off of news and fake news. And, and that's not the direction I believe a church should take. But when things in our country intersect with Scripture, then I believe it's my responsibility as a pastor. In fact, I believe it's the responsibility of every pastor to address those matters from a scriptural standpoint. And, and if you've happened to venture out of your cave recently, you know that our country is in a mess. You have the rioting in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. You have the crisis with North Korea that could escalate on a moment's notice and become a full-blown war. You have the health care crisis. Um, you, you have our national debt that is in figures that I don't even know how to put down on paper. You have the out-of-control murder issue in, in Chicago and other cities. You have the illegal as well as the prescription drug epidemic. You have Black Lives Matter. You have All Lives Matter. Now you have White Lives Matter. And then you have LGBT marches. And you have the investigation of the Russian collusion. And, and then you have our president and his relationship. And, and actually, maybe I should just say our president and his lack of relationship with Congress. And and with his own party and even with his own cabinet. I honestly don't have the words when it comes to trying to describe everything that's going on in our country. Now, as, as we look at these and other issues, we all have our own opinions as to what the solution should be. Many would probably start at the top and say, well, the solution begins with the president. Or... Uh, Others would say, well, it actually begins with Congress because they're tying our president's hands or, or it begins with the education system or it begins here, it begins there. But as we go through our lesson today, I think you may be surprised at where the solution actually begins. Now, let me just put out a warning here. And I'm going to very, try very hard to make sure this doesn't happen, but let's not make the common mistake that church people generally make of viewing their faith through the filter of their politics. I want us to do the opposite. I want us to be that unique church where we view our politics through the filter of our faith. You know, if the Christians in this country would just say, well, yeah, yes, I, I, I've been a Republican or I've been a Democrat or Tea Party or Independent or Libertarian or I'm a nothing. But if we could just put those labels to one side and, and this morning, if we could just ask ourselves one question, I, I, I believe our affiliation with a political party would fade into a distant background. And, and here's the question I would like for us to ask. What would Jesus have me to do? And if we would ask that and then act on that, I'm absolutely convinced that change would happen and it would not begin in Washington. It would not begin in Jeff City. It wouldn't even begin at the local city hall with members of our city council. It wouldn't begin in the boardroom where our school board members meet. Rather, change would begin with we, the people. We, the people. And, and, and especially we, the church people. Now, I know there's a big debate in our country on, over whether or not we're a Christian nation. And really, my opinion is, is that the word Christian isn't an adjective. Christian is a noun. And, and so I'm not sure, really, that there's a Christian anything. They're just Christians. But that's an opinion you can debate over lunch. But, but anyway, I want to approach this from the standpoint that, that we are Christians. We love Jesus. We will follow Jesus. 
and not be swayed by the volatile emotional responses of our society, nor will we be swayed by the position of our political party. Amen? Can, can we start there? Amen? Here we go. Uh, let's just kind of ease into our topic so that there's not a big shock. I want you to think for just a moment of the many times that you've heard about some rich and famous star, maybe an athlete, maybe a movie star, maybe a singer who made millions and millions and millions of dollars throughout their career. But one day on the news, you heard where they went bankrupt. Now, when that happens, we all think the same two things. Number one, we think, how could that ever happen? I mean, how could people make way, way, way more money than you and I will ever make and have name recognition and power and respect? How can they go through all of their wealth and declare bankruptcy and lose their homes and their yachts and their airplanes? I mean, stuff that we'll never own. How could that happen? The second thing is this, that we think, if that were me, that would have never happened. That's right. You know, if I would have had that opportunity, if I were that famous, if I were that rich, that would have never happened to me. You know, we think that. You know, the same thought is there for businesses. I mean, for example, Kmart, you know, Kmart shoppers, blue light special and Kmart used to be the Walmart in the olden days. But but how could Kmart go into bankruptcy? Or how about Circuit City? I mean, Circuit City had their own brand. And when companies go like that, go under, you think, well, if I were the CEO or if I would have been on the board of directors, no way, not under my watch would that have happened. Well, we go to even a higher level and look at our country. And this may shock you, but did you know that the United States of America is pretty much bankrupt? Now, that fact is camouflaged because our government just prints more money whenever it needs it. You know, when we print money, we get put in jail because it's called counterfeit money. When our government does it, they call it expanding the debt ceiling. But anyway, our, our, our country, America the Great, you know, the country from sea to shining sea that, that, that's, uh, that, that's got that little sweet spot of real estate. You know, north is too hot, south uh, is too cold, south is too hot. You know what we've got from sea to shining sea? It's an amazing place. We have a financial problem. And it's tough for many to recognize that because we're the standard. We're the stock market everybody wants to invest in. Everybody wants to own our money. Everybody wants dollars. Remember when they found Saddam Hussein buried in his little spider hole and they dug him out. And when they started searching around that little compound. Remember what they found? About 800,000 of what? Dollars. You know, we may be the great Satan, but he wanted our money. Even the bad guys, when it comes to rock solid investment, they want dollars from the United States of America. And so for us to have a financial problem, it's almost like that rich and famous person who lost his home or big corporation that went bankrupt. And, and if I were to ask you how that happened, uh, you know, all of you would have an opinion. And, and, and I know most of you well enough to, to know that every adult here would probably think, well, if I would have been in charge or if I would have been the president, if I would have been a member of Congress, things would be different. Well, probably not. And you'll see the reason I say that in just a few moments. 
Now, what has happened in America, not just financially, but spiritually, should flabbergast us all. It should bother us. It should burden us. It should bring us to our knees. And this morning, I want to mention several of the root issues that I believe are behind some of the problems that America is facing. And, and, and this is my list. Uh, I'm sure you have yours. But I happen to have the live mic this morning, so I get to give mine. You can give yours to your cat this afternoon. The first problem in America that I want to mention is an ignore the warning signs problem. Now, I, I know that's a funny way to say it. I'm sure you could come up with a more concise way to say that. But for years, our country has been ignoring some very serious warning signs. Take the financial crisis, for example. When, when you start looking at the details of uh, the famous people who made millions of dollars and then they went bankrupt, you find out that it wasn't a cash flow problem. It wasn't an income problem. It was a management problem. It's the same way in our country. It's amazing how, how not only individuals and, and companies, but countries as well, can ignore fundamental principles year after year after year after year. And when it finally catches up with them, everybody's in shock. And they go, oh my word, we have a crisis. I never saw it coming. It happened so fast. It, I was blindsided. But the truth is that most of the time there were warning signs. But nobody paid attention to those warning signs until it was too late. In my world as a pastor, I see this happen frequently. It would probably surprise you how many people come to my office when a crisis erupts. And, and most of the time when, I, when they come to my office, it's too late. The, the, the marriage has blown up. You know, there have been marriage problems festering for years, but it's blown up. One of the spouses has left and now they come and they want me to work a miracle in their lives. Or maybe it's an addiction issue that's gotten out of control and, and, and that person has lost their job or, or even their marriage. Or, or many times people will come up and say, oh, pastor, I can't pay my bills and, and they're going to evict me from my house in two days if I don't have two months rent. And their lifestyle of having to have the latest of everything or even maybe paying for habits and addictions has caught up with them. Or sometimes people have ignored ominous health issues for months and, and now the verdict is in that they have a major health issue that will require surgery. And, you know, human nature is that we ignore warning signs until many times it's too late. And so where all of this intersects with Scripture is through this principle that you've heard a thousand times we reap what we sow. And for the crisis that we have in our country, it's not just the administration that, uh, this administration that sowed it. It's not just the last administration that sowed it. It wasn't just the administration before that. It goes way, 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 way back. And we're in the process of reaping what has been sown over the last several decades. And have you noticed what happens in the principle of sowing and reaping? When you begin to reap what you have sown, you always look for someone to blame. I mean, that's what we do. And so in th this morning in church, it would be easy for us to get into the blame game. And, and, and most every message, uh, you know, whenever you get into uh, subjects like this, uh, most every message in church tends to point back to our inept Congress or our liberal presidents. And, and we try to stick the blame on them. But I don't want to do that because... You see, mature people and godly people don't look for someone to blame. Rather, mature and godly people look for a solution. They look for a way to fix the problem. They, they realize that we have all sown it, and, and so we're all reaping it, and so we must all be part of the solution. 
So we have an ignore the warning signs problem. Now, the second problem that I want to mention today is the problem of not wanting to submit to authority. You know, as Americans, we don't want to be told what to do. And if someone tries to tell us no, what do we do? We get rid of them, we fire them, or we quit, or we elect someone else that will say yes. That's the American way. And so we have a country full of people who are trying to say yes to everybody to keep them happy. Thirdly, our, our country has an entitlement problem. Now, now, now we're hearing that word more and more, but, but the old-fashioned word for entitlement, do you know what it is? Spoiled. We're spoiled. You know, everybody in this country is spoiled. In fact, I, I'm sorry, but most everybody in this room is spoiled. You, me, we're spoiled. We, we feel everybody owes us. And do you know what happens when you try to take something away from a rich person who feels entitled to it? The same thing that happens to a poor person when you try to take something he feels entitled to away from him. Which is the same thing that happens when you try to take something away from a middle class person who has something he feels is entitled to him. Which is the same thing that happens to a four month old when you try to take something away from him that he feels entitled to. You know, we feel everybody owes us. You know, the government owes us. Uh, my church owes me. My parents owe me. My kids owe me. My company owes me. I'm owed because I'm rich or I'm owed because I'm poor or I'm owed because I'm disabled or I'm owed because I kept my nose clean and, and I haven't caused problems and on and on and on. And we're unbelievably spoiled. Next, I believe we have a greed problem. And and you know what greed is? Greed is simply believing that everything that comes our way is for our personal consumption. That's greed. Do you know why I, I know we have a greed problem? Because the more money we make in this country, the less percentage we give away. And of course, there are exceptions to the rule, and some of you are part of those exceptions. But on a national level in America, the more money we make, the less of a percentage we give away. We get stingier and stingier. And lastly, and then I want to get to some scripture to Matthew chapter 7. And remember, this is just my list. You've got your list. But I believe we have a failure of nerve problem. Now, again, I know you're smarter than I am, so you could have said that in a better way. But let me try to explain what I mean. Failure of nerve is when leaders look at a situation where they're their parent leaders National leaders, teacher leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, preacher leaders, board leaders. But a failure of nerve problem is when leaders look at a situation and they recognize what the problem is and they recognize what the solution might be. But the fear of consequence of doing what they know they need to do keeps them from doing it. That's what I'm calling a failure of nerve problem. Now, before you, you begin to think of others that are guilty, let me just say, I think we've all had this problem. It, it, it begins with parents. I mean, for example, we, we, we put our kid to bed, and in the middle of the night, they wake up crying and make our life miserable. And so what have we all done? We've picked them up and put them in bed with us. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but what do most parents say? I know I shouldn't do that. But we did it anyway. Can anybody relate? <laughs> or maybe there was a time when we know that we should have stood up for a friend or for a relative because something was said that was wrong. But we didn't want to rock the boat. We didn't want to take sides. 
And so we said nothing. And so I think that many of us here, we have a failure of nerve problem. We know what we need to do. We just won't do it because we don't want to rock the boat. Now, as you listen to that list, even though I warned us to listen through the lens of faith, it's still second nature for us to still listen through the lens of our political party. And so, as I pointed out some of these root issues in our country, you Republicans, you've picked up a stone, haven't you? Because you say, hey, as Republicans, we still at least have a few morals about us. Besides that, it's those Democrats that act so entitled. And so I know Jesus would be a member of the Republican Party. And if Obama wouldn't have done what he did, we would be in so much better shape today. But then you Democrats, you picked up a stone too, haven't you? And you said, well, our financial problems are because you Republicans are so greedy. And Jesus would have been a Democrat because... We're so much better about supporting the poor and the minorities. Not to mention that we actually care about the environment. And the first thing we need to do is dump Trump. And then if you're part of that Tea Party, you know, well, well you picked up a bucket load of stones and, and you got a verse to go with it because you claim to be a Christian. But here's what I want to say just as we're getting ready to start throwing stones, if we listen carefully... I believe we will hear Jesus speaking. And no, he doesn't speak from the filter of being a Republican or a Democrat. He doesn't speak from the far right or the far left. In fact, what I believe what Jesus would say to us today is, that, you know what? I'm not far left. I'm not far right. I'm simply far out. Seriously. Because from the perspective of, uh, 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 of the Pharisees and the Jewish people, Jesus was far out. And so when we say, well, Jesus, should I or shouldn't I? I? I wonder if sometimes Jesus wouldn't say, well, there's a third option you probably haven't thought about. And I think many times he would say, okay, you call yourself a Christian? You say you believe the Bible? Why don't you just go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7? There's some good advice you might want to follow. And today, today we're going to do that. Before you throw your stone that, that you've got in your hand, and before, before you write that letter to your senator, letting him have it for his vote that you disagree with, before you forward that email that says you need to take a stand on a certain movie, before you show up to the city council meeting and, and blow off some steam, before you go to the school board meeting and let them have it, before you criticize your church board or, or the business meeting for something you don't agree with, could I encourage all of us to focus on this scripture? And I believe it will give us some direction. As well as convict almost every one of us here today. And the scripture begins with a question. Matthew chapter 7 verse 3 it says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? So, so it's kind of a funny situation there. Your friend has a little speck of sawdust in his eye, which, which can be painful, but it doesn't keep you from seeing. But, but this verse says that you have a log in your eye, which obviously would keep you from seeing. Well, it goes on in verse 4. How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So, you know, this scripture, man, it, it just kind of kicked me this past week. It's such a convicting scripture and... 
Uh, let me just kind of break this apart. When we read this passage, and when I used to read this passage, I'm just going to open my heart to you. I used to think that it said, hey, don't be too critical of others, because even though you may not have that same problem, you probably have other other issues in your life. And so you need to be kind of charitable and tolerant towards them. And, And I'm sure it includes that. But but the scripture, as I began to dig into the scripture, this passage goes way deeper than that. And, and Jesus in the scripture was really saying, hey, watch out in your criticism of others, because you may have the same issue in your life. Not just other issues, but the same issue. And you say, well, where do you get that? Well, the, the reason I say that is because Jesus called this person a hypocrite. And, and the context here is that this person was accusing them of doing something that they themselves were guilty of. And so Jesus was saying, if the speck in somebody else's eye is bothering you, if it's irritating you, chances are whatever you don't like about them, there is some of that in you. Yikes. That's the context here. It's not just, well, be careful about criticizing someone because you aren't perfect yourself. It's, hey, if something is really bothering you about somebody else, that may be a good indicator that you are guilty of the same thing. You know, this exact same thing is said in the book of Romans as well. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 says, you may be saying what terrible people you've been talking about, but you are just as bad and have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself for you do these very same things. So, maybe what we need to do is go home and quit looking at TV. You know, where CNN places the blame on the conservatives and Fox News places the blame on the liberals. Maybe we need to quit looking at Facebook because the blame is always placed on everybody else but themselves. And instead of looking at TV, instead of looking at Facebook, maybe we should start looking in the mirror. And maybe we should ask ourselves, hey, self, the stuff that drives me crazy about those left-wing liberals, is there any of that in me? Or, or, or the thing that drives me crazy about the right-wing radicals, is there any of that in me? Or, or the stuff that drives me crazy about the way the church is run, could there be some of those same faults in me? Or, or, or the way that the city council is run, it just irritates me. Could it be that you see yourself as being the same way? And of course we say, oh no, of course not. But, but Jesus says, if it really ticks you off and it drives you crazy, that's an indication that you're focused on a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when you might actually be carrying around a log. Well, then comes the solution. And by the way, the solution is not for the person with the log to try to take out the speck. Because when you have someone with a log in their eye trying to take out a speck, they will just end up putting the other person's eye out. So what's the solution? We read it. Verse 5, get rid of the log from your own eye first. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know, human nature, here's what we think, because we're good people, we think, you know what, they just don't see it right. That They're just not spiritual enough. They're not discerning enough to see it the right way. I mean, the way I see it is right. Oh yeah, the way I see it is right. We always think that. But Jesus says, would you like to see clearly? He says, go home, look in the mirror. And look specifically for that thing in you that drives you crazy in someone else. 
Then after you've removed the big log from your eye, then your eyesight will be clear enough to maybe help someone else remove that tiny speck of sawdust from their eye. So what are we saying this morning? I'm saying that the road to changing and fixing America is not with our president. It's not with our Congress. Sorry, it's not even with the Supreme Court. It's not with the city council or school boards or church board. The solution, change simply begins with we the people. Not they the people, we the people. And there are enough followers of Jesus in this nation that if we just get this one right, the level of hostility, the level of racism, the level of crime and every other problem would actually see a turnaround. Please understand the road to change begins with we the people, not they the people, we the people. So, I just want to ask some we questions. You know, I think there are some Democrats here with logs in their eyes. I know there are some Republicans here with logs in their eyes. In fact, I dare say that most everybody here has a log in their eye. So here's some questions that will make you uncomfortable. But the reason I mention them is just to help us identify the potential logs in our eyes. Question number one. Are you irresponsible with your money? You say, what does that have to do with anything? It's my money. I can do with it whatever. Well, if you're spending up to the edge of your income, if you're paying credit card debt for stuff you don't even remember what you spent it on, don't you think you lose a little bit of credibility when you wag your finger at the government for being irresponsible with the taxpayer's money? That's a log. Can you imagine what would happen in our country if just the Christians decided we're going to get our personal finances in order, we're going to purchase what we can afford, live within our means, we're going to give, save, live on the rest and stay out of debt that would change our entire economy? Here's another question to upset you this morning. Are you greedy? You say, of course I'm not greedy. Well, we can't see greed in the mirror. So let me ask it a different way. Does 98% of what gets placed in your hands get used on your lifestyle with the assumption that it's there for your consumption? That's greed. How about this one? You'll love this one. Are you paying your taxes or are you stealing from the government? And, and you say, wait a minute. I don't agree with the way that the government is managing my taxes and all of that. So that's why I'm justified in not reporting all of my income. Well, did you know that they asked Jesus, should we pay our taxes? And would you like to know what Jesus said? He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, by the way, Caesar was corrupt. Caesar was a jerk. Caesar didn't always spend the taxpayer's money in godly ways. But, but Jesus still said, give to Caesar what is his. And then what did he say? Give to God what is God's. So, question, are you giving to God what is God's? If not, 
That's a log in your eye. And by the way, welcome to the Church of God Holiness where we make you feel good about yourselves. Here's another tough one. This will really make some of you mad. Men, ladies, you can text somebody really fast if you want, but not too long. Are you taking responsibility for the children that you helped bring into this world with the woman that maybe you're not married to any longer or maybe never were married to? And You say, well, they don't live with me. The kids don't live with me. So what? That's a responsibility. And if you don't do that, that's a log in your eye. How about this one? You're on disability, but you've actually gotten better. You know you could work. You say, Joe, you've crossed the line. It's none of your business. You know what? These kinds of issues impact America. They're integrity issues. They impact me. They impact you. They impact our country. How about this one? Are there things in your family you need to confront, but you've had, you have failure of nerve? Maybe you're scared of your teen or scared of your college student. You're, you're scared of your wife. You, you better be to a certain extent there. <laughs> are you afraid of your husband? Uh, you know, are there things that need to be addressed and, and you just think, you know, the consequences of addressing them and it's failure of nerve and so you choose to not say anything. How about this question? Are you stealing from your employer? Or are you stealing from your employees? Or, uh, this kind of is appropriate here for our community, do you use illegal drugs? And by the way, when you use illegal drugs, do you you know what you're contributing to? I don't know if it's ever crossed your mind, but you're contributing to the drug cartels. And this is really off the wall, but I want it to be off the wall so you understand. Do you know why there's not a cassette tape cartel? Have you ever thought about that? There's not a group of people packaging up and smuggling cassette tapes into the United States of America. Do you know why? Because nobody uses them. Kind of a silly illustration, but it works. So, so think about it. If we quit using illegal drugs, the drug cartels would go out of business. And, and really, if you're using illegal drugs, you're contributing to the abuse of women. You're contributing to the abuse of children. You are contributing to poverty. You're contributing to homelessness. How about this one? Are you abusing prescription drugs? And and I don't want to be cruel here, but what I'm trying to get across is that we tend to want to throw stones at other people that are doing wrong. and, And we want to take the speck out of their eye, but we don't seem to care that we have a log in our own eye. And until we get to our own root problems and, and take the log out of our eyes, then, then we have no business picking at someone that has a speck of sawdust in their eye. So, can you imagine what would happen in our country if just the Christians would begin to address a few of the issues I touched on? And again, the solution doesn't begin in Washington. It has nothing to do with Washington. It has nothing to do with Congress. It has nothing to do with the Supreme Court. It has nothing to do with legislation. It has nothing to do with signing petitions or to senators or representatives. It has nothing to do with boycotts or marches. It has nothing to do with railing against them, their liberals, or them, their conservatives. 
But it has everything to do with we, the people. We, the people. So let's do this. Let's get the ball rolling for change. And how does that happen? Well, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> but I believe it begins with we, the people. Let's let change begin in our hearts. We, the people. Let's let change begin in our homes. We, the people. And let's let change begin in our churches. We, the people. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I, I, I know there were some comfort zones that were violated today. Lord, there may be some people that are just a little upset that I would even mention what they're guilty of. And that's the way we are. I mean, that's human nature. And we tend to do that. We tend to get upset when, when, when somebody calls us out. And, and Lord, this whole thing of uh, the speck, the log, God, it, it really is disturbing to us. Lord, forgive us for those times that we've picked out just some minor issues in somebody else. And, and we've got a major issue in our life. God, I pray that this week there would be a whole bunch of logs removed from our lives. I pray that those areas of sin, those areas of inconsistency, those areas of hypocrisy, Lord, that we would come become aware of it. And Lord, instead of railing against the government or railing against the schools or railing against the church or railing against somebody else, Father, that we would focus on us. And God, that we would make sure that there's no sin in our lives and that, Lord, we are true blue, straight as an arrow. Oh God, I pray that we would be your people, the people of God that would humble themselves and, and confess our sin and seek your face. And, and God, when that happens, there will be revival that will break out. But it begins with, in the house of the Lord, with the people of the Lord. And so Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for inconsistency. Forgive us for hypocrisy. Lord, I just ask that you would do something special for us. Lord, I pray that we as your people, we would begin to see a lot of things take place. And Lord, just our own drug problem here in, in this community. Lord, instead of just criticizing them and categorizing them. Lord, I prayed this before that we would be able to put some faces, some names, and begin to pray for them, begin to love them. And yes, they may have drug issues, but Lord, they still have a soul. And I pray that we would love them with the love of Jesus Christ. God forbid that we would ever come to the point of just trying to be a windshield Christian and drive around and make commentaries about all of these people that are wrong and doing bad things when, Lord, it may begin in our own car, in our own heart. Lord, I just pray that you would help us this week to look in the mirror. Maybe we would just shut off the TV for the week and Lord, that we would just not even get on Facebook this week. And Lord, instead, we would just do that evaluation, that inspection of ourselves, and that we would let the Holy Spirit just talk to us and, and see those areas of inconsistency. And Lord, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get the logs out of our eyes because then, Lord, we can help someone with a little problem that's got a speck of sawdust in their eye and we can maybe help them take care of that. So, Lord, I just pray that there would be change. And it begins with we the people. 
Lord, I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you for your guiding light, the guiding power. And so, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do with us and through us this week, that you're going to just, I believe, refine us. Lord, you're going to get out that knife, uh, that's a double-edged sword, and begin just kind of slicing away all of those bad areas, those rotten areas. Lord, you're going to begin to purify us. You're going to begin to cleanse us. You're going to make us your people, and I pray that that would happen. Lord, let us be children of God that follow Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you for your amazing listeners. Thank you for not stomping out on me. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, Man, that pastor is a mess. Just go ahead and say it. Just get it out of your system. Go ahead. And you're dismissed. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.